The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitä Pelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our paragon for today. This time we are joined by Calvin Wong Ze Loon. I don't know if I pronounced the close. name right. Very close, but it's good. It's fine. He has to, how can I say, is it an honor or is it a possibility to be the 13th guest in the Paragons <laughs> of Change oh. series? So <laughs> that has nothing to do with luck, luck or unluckiness. <laughs> so let's welcome Calvin. Welcome, Calvin. Thank you. I'm so um, I'm so glad that you asked me to come. Uh, we have been friends for a few years, uh, mostly yeah. through Twitter, but it's always nice to, to be invited on. Um, and it's always nice to talk to friends. It's always nice to talk to friends about games. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Just, just talking about it makes me excited. <laughs> yeah, we actually met in Spiel, in Essen, in 2019. Oh, uh, was it 2019? Uh- Yeah, we met with you and Dee, and then some other people were at the same same place. Ah, okay. We met at the Blue Orange booth or something Yes, I remember like that. that. I remember it was at the Blue Orange booth, and you had all your games with you. Oh, man, Spiel. <laughs> I had a dream the other night about Spiel. Like, we were just walking around and watching people roll dice into boxes, like, oh, COVID is over, this is so nice. <laughs> so everyone were playing Strike. 
I, I, I don't it's know. I don't know what they were playing, but they were like <laughs> in, in my in my in my dream. It was just a colorful red and white um, box, and they were throwing dice into the box. And I was like, "Ooh, what's this?" That's one of my favorite things about about Spiel, right? You can turn the corner and be like, "Ooh, what's this?" You know, and it's always almost always something interesting, at least. Yeah, who rolls the highest wins. <laughs> That's a very very imaginative game. <laughs> but uh, you are in Twitter with the username Itaila and. You are very active there, but if someone doesn't know who you are and what do you do, could mm-hmm. you tell the listeners that who are you and what do you do, especially in the board game sphere? Hi, um, my name is Calvin. I write a lot. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I've um, I've written for a bunch of things in my life, mostly board game stuff at the moment. Uh, most recently, I wrote for Twilight Imperium. I wrote a story for them. Mm-hmm. I also did some a guest scenario for Frosthaven. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also working on some upcoming pr- uh, products, which I can't talk about. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Are they big ones? Uh, you will have heard of the companies, but uh, I can't. Okay. I can't say right. Uh, but I, I are they good ones and are they interesting ones? That's the most important. I think. Thing. I think they are. Yes, I think they. Yeah. Are. Uh, I also. I've also done uh, consultation work for a bunch of other board game companies. Um, and uh, for example, I did some consultation for Osprey Games for one of their mm-hmm. games. I did some consultation for Restoration Games. Uh, I also do rulebooks. Rulebooks, I've worked mm-hmm. with um, Weird Giraffe Games. I've worked with Pandasaurus. Uh, worked with... Oh, I should have made a list before we started. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I, also, I also used to do a lot of... Um, news and articles that kind of writing for board games for this website mm-hmm. called board game atlas and before that board game prices yeah. um yeah. but yeah that mostly now i'm doing more industry side more than media side uh i still have a bunch of board game reviews to finish <laughs> my mm-hmm. i have a i have a shelf who, does, who doesn't i have a <laughs> <laughs> i have a shelf just for reviews uh games that have to be reviewed um just to remind me these are the things you need to do. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I have a pile. I don't have a shelf because they don't fit to the shelf. But I have a pile. <laughs> okay. I think you're. I think I'm doing slightly better than you. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I actually made an Excel sheet where I what, what I sent to my friends and said that here you can help me in mm. <laughs> playing this so I can review this. Mm. Write your name into the games that you are interested in. <laughs> We've been getting a few played, not all, but it's really difficult, mm. especially currently <laughs> and especially last year also. So you're a writer? Uh, mostly, yes. I, I would identify myself mostly as a writer, yeah. Like if, if you just yeah. randomly ask me, so what do you do? I'm like, yeah, I write. All right. Um, how, how has the year been for you this 2020 and this beginning of 2021 it has been colored by covid at least yeah definitely. how is it visible in malaysia where you live mm. the covid situation in malaysia is uh uh frustrating because mm-hmm. at, it happened you know same as everywhere else but at the start of 2020 you know february march when the when it, things were really starting to get you know difficult mm-hmm the I won't take I won't I won't take explain the story for too long. But basically, we had a we had a government like takeover. Um, mm-hmm. A bunch of politicians did some you know shady nonsense, and basically we ended up with a government 
a prime minister and a cabinet that none of us voted for. Uh Um, And they did it right as the pandemic was starting to, you know, become (laughs) a problem. So obviously then there's no, we have a, a new government and they needed time to take over from the old government's response yeah. And they didn't do a good job. So obviously a bunch of cases, you know, a lot of cases happened that way. And then they, when they finally introduced measures, a lot of the measures were confusing and, and a lot of people say it wasn't enough or whatever. But yeah. people, you know, Malaysians worked together. We really got into it. And by August, you know, five months later, August yeah. or September, uh, we were down to one case per day or sometimes even zero cases That's per day. Good. Yeah. That's really good. And then, and then, uh, politicians again were breaking procedures and um, they traveled to areas that were hard hit by COVID. They didn't wear masks, they didn't quarantine, and then they brought the disease back to Malaysia, uh, to the part of Malaysia that didn't have any cases, and suddenly there were a whole bunch of cases exploding. Hmm. There was a bunch of cases that were happening. Um, because of uh, in prisons, and again, this is the government's fault, right? Because they're not um, oh. integrating, yeah, in prisons. And there was another, <clears throat> there was another bunch of cases that happened because of a factory. And again, right, it's the same thing. Government's not mm. properly instituting protocols at a factory at a prison, and now we're up to five thousand cases per day again. One year, out. Yep. the The frustrating thing is that we almost beat it. We were this close. But, yeah. uh, but, you know, lack, poor, poor leadership, um, lack of leadership, really. I mean, I'm trying to think of another word to say, but that's just it. Like, you know, they, they act as if the rules don't apply to them because mm. with these kinds of people, the rules never apply to them because they're used yeah, to living lives, lives of luxury and power, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to bore people by, by pulling on to all that, but that's a situation in Malaysia, which may be a familiar story to many around the world because power and influences like that um but on a personal level this year has been okay um i still have work i can still support myself and d and my cat um Mm -hmm. uh, how about colin can you support him uh he yeah yeah the 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 bot he 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 has been missing the board games but we put him near the boxes and it makes him feel better (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Colin is a bear. In case anyone doesn't know, he is the board game bear. Um, isn't isn't he a polar bear? Yes, he's a, he's a little polar bear, about mm, yeah. six inches, seven inches. Um, but he, yeah, he's he's quite he's quite cute. He's very famous. Um, Kazrak is my cat. D is my partner. For those who don't know, um, and yeah, we've not really been playing too many board games. I think the last six months we maybe played one game. And that was um, mm-hmm. Calico from AEG. Mm-hmm. Calico is a very good game. In case you no, haven't I haven't played, played that. Okay, it's very very good. It's like um, Azul, but with more brain burn. Um, it's about mm-hmm. it's about sewing a quilt, and you're trying to get cats to come onto your quilt. So on the surface, yeah. it's a very cute game, but it's actually uh, incredibly difficult <laughs> and very very brain melting. Um, I actually yeah. personally predict that if it's eligible i don't know whether it came out in germany but i think it's going to be spiel the year like it's very mm-hmm. very very good a winner or a candidate 
winner? Um, I'm I'm not confident enough to say winner because I haven't played what else has come out this year. But candidate, mm-hmm. I would be shocked if it's not at least candidate. Yeah. Yeah, if it's out in German. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I've heard good things about that, and the game is actually really cute. I I oh, like how it looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These quilts and everything. It's really traditional in Finland to make these quilts. Oh, really? Nice. It's very old tradition to make these quilts, quilt blankets, thick ones that you used mm. in the winters and such. So, is it also traditional to have the cats sleep on the quilts? Is that also part of it? I don't know. I'm very allergic to cats, so oh. I have no opinion on that. I have opinion, but it's not a good opinion, so I don't want to say it aloud. But yeah, cats make me sick. Yeah, <laughs> not, not in that way, but they, they make me sneeze a lot. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, cats sleep on the beds and sleep on the quilts also, I think, as far as I know. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, How about otherwise? You said that you have had these political issues and such there. Mm-hmm. Has the previous year been otherwise difficult? Because it seems that in some places in the world there are so many fires and floodings and earthquakes and <laughs> everything. But have you been safe for safe from those yeah, other yeah. kinds of yeah, things? But, Just uh, COVID and stupid politicians. Yes. Just all right. Yeah. But everything else is okay. Fine. That's that's good. And and you said I was, was very active on Twitter and um, earlier in yeah Twitter and other social media and the internet have been very helpful this year. To you know, yeah. connect with your friends, play games sometimes, just talk to them, have you know voice chats like this one. Um, yeah, really, really helpful, really nice. Have you played online? You said that you have played only one game last month, but have you played online? And if you have, where? Uh, I mean, D and I have only played one physical board game. I think in the last few months. Yeah. Um, online, we have played. Um, I played Twilight Imperium online. There's. Mm-hmm. I also played. Uh, on Tabletop Simulator, I also played Adventure Mart. There is a free module on Tabletop Simulator, and there's a free module on Tabletopia. Adventure mm-hmm. Mart is a very cute um, game about managing a convenience store that sells, um, you know, like adventuring gear. You you, mm-hmm. you sell people potions and swords and shields and armor and things like that, and it's got a very cute. Um, I don't know what the word is, but like you know, little animals with big heads. Chibi, I think, is the name of yeah, the style. Yeah, might be. Yeah, um, if you haven't heard of this game, look it up. And if you'd like to play it, you can play it on Tabletopia for free. Tabletopia is also free. You just go to tabletopia.com. Yeah. Have you played in uh, turn-based or this async places like board game arena or Yukata oh, or? No, 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 I haven't. But they are you. Although I would like to. It's just a matter of like time. For me, I think board game arena suits me better because if it's turn based, you can just leave it on, and when you have time, you can do your turns. Mm. Um, if I'd have to play live, it means that I have to sit here in front of the computer <laughs> that, that evening. And um, let's say I would, <laughs> I would love to play TI four mm. because I haven't played the newest one. I've only played TI three. Mm. But let's say that if I want to play it online, it means that I will spend that whole evening in front of the computer. Mm. And after spending the day in front of the computer, I'm not sure if I would be willing to do that to my butt. Oh. It would hurt too much. To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely, I completely understand. Um, I know exactly what you're trying to say. No. The, um, the main reason I did it was because I managed to show four other friends who I was always wanted to play. TI mm-hmm. but never got to so D and I showed four of our friends how to play it we played it um, 
three hours at a time, two or three hours at a time over three or four different nights because you can mm-hmm. save the game and come back. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Um, Did you play it in Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia? Tabletop. Is it in Tabletopia even? No, I don't think so. We played it on Tabletop yeah. Simulator. Um, they've actually improved the Tabletop Simulator version since the last time we played it. They've made it even more automated and even faster. The the mods should be scripted because if they are not scripted, they're really, really, really difficult to play, especially these yeah, bigger yeah, games. Yeah. It's it's the scripting and the automation is quite good on Twilight Imperium. Um, okay. Yeah, which we'll we, which we'll be talking about later, right? Because you've asked me to do a, like a list, and the list. Don't spoil. Don't, don't spoil. spoil. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry. Don't, don't I, forget I, I said knew anything. It. I won't edit it away. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I w- I'm sure that it will be on your list somewhere mm. because you, as you, as you said this year mm-hmm. or last year, in August you announced that you will officially be writing for Twilight Imperium mm. Four. And how is it? Is it different from the earlier projects? What now, do you, mean? you seem to be really, really pumped about it, and ah. you seem to be very hyped to be able to do it and doing it publicly so how has it been um i i realized that tweet actually was worded a little um i worded it slightly wrongly they hired me to do one story they did not hire Ah. me to do uh permanent like i will now be writing stories permanently for twilight imperium i mean there's not enough twilight imperium to write stories for as a, as a full-time <laughs> does, does job. it be adventure adventure game you have to give it to ryan logat or something oh uh, yeah i mean <laughs> if they, if they want to do an adventure game and they would like me to come in and write for it i would love to but uh, currently i know of no such plans um why am i excited because it, it's a good opportunity right fantasy flight games is one of the biggest um companies in our industry yeah and it was doing something that i liked doing that i think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good at doing which is writing fiction um yeah so that's why i was so excited uh, did you finish that writing already or is it still ongoing yes actually if you if you go to that tweet um the, the story is linked there okay yeah okay i, I didn't open the oh, link that's fine. When, that. when, when you posted it but now i looked at your Twitter again, I remembered that tweet from the very beginning because it's pinned there in the capital letters and with two line spacing and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, as, no. It, I, as it should be. I understand. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, this, this year and the last year, for the last, I mean, for the previous year, the world has been changing. Mm. Um, what do you think of change? Do you think it's good do you think it's bad? Do you think it's situational? Or what do you think about change? I think we have a responsibility to make sure that things change um, mm-hmm. to help as many people as possible and to make sure that make sure that people will be okay, to reduce the amount of harm and suffering in the world, basically. I think that's really it. Like, I know this sounds like a bit of a silly thing coming from me because I'm a board games writer, right? But uh, one of the things that I always try and do is I always try and make sure that I try and speak up when something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in board games, for example, I always try and talk about making the games more inclusive, um, mm-hmm. trying to reduce the amount of unintentional racism 
mm-hmm. or uh, other harmful attitudes in games. And mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe that most people working in the industry are good people and they and sometimes they may accidentally without realizing it do things which are maybe a little racist or maybe a little mm-hmm. orientalist or maybe a little sexist without realizing that they have done so uh, yeah and, i agree mm, and when the the reason i say that they are mostly good people is most of the time when you point it out to them they will reassess and go okay i see where we have you know, made a made a mistake, and we will, mm-hmm. you know, we'll try and do better next time. I said earlier. I, I said earlier that I've been hired to do consultations for a few games, and this, you know, part of part of uh, what companies have been doing is hiring people to, to say, okay, if we're going to to, for example, if we're going to have a, a character in our game based on, um, Chinese culture, can we get somebody mm-hmm. who is actually from a Chinese culture in this case? me to mm. give advice about that character right so for example i can't talk about the the exact details but it's things yeah. like if we want to have this character in a card uh and they want to have some art of this character how would they pose you know like um would they if mm. if we if you sh- if we show you some sketches that our artists did are these poses okay do they reflect the nature of this character or this person you know do they um, like for example, I'm sure that there are some Finnish um, myths or Finnish yeah. cultural stories that you would know very well. And if somebody mm. got it wrong, you would immediately be able to say, "Oh no, that that's not right. The details are not, you know." So it's 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 like that. It's kind of yeah. yeah that's uh, what I'm glad is that board game companies are taking that step. They are reaching out to people to get consultation, and they are uh, at least you know. Taking, making the effort to get there. We were just talking about Fantasy Flight and uh, one of their new projects that they had announced uh, late last year is a game called Descent. Uh, they've mm-hmm. announced a new Descent box. And one of the things that I liked in there was the they had a great variety of characters, not just male and female, but also dark-skinned characters, um, mm-hmm. the body types. Because normally if you think about an adventure game, right, like you imagine... Oh, the the men are all big and muscly, and the women are all yeah, yeah like tall and thin. But uh, yeah. they they don't have that. Like one of the one of the characters is a dark skinned female dwarf, who's very mm-hmm. um, stout as dwarfs should be. Yeah. Um, there is a there is a black ma- magician character with a, uh, mm-hmm. who's a man. He has a beard. Um, he's got very dark skin. So it's it's you know sort of taking these fantasy. Um, cliches, not cliches, yeah. but like you know, like conventions, yeah, like yeah, fantasy, the, like the, the stereoty- stereotypes and archetypes and such. Ar- yeah. Archetypes, yes, that's the word. Thank you so much. So yeah, they're taking these fantasy archetypes and sort of reimagining them to be, you know, more diverse, r- more representative yeah. of people. Um, I was talking to one of my friends who works on the game, and she was saying that, oh, if um, you know, we're going to have a disabled character in the game, we're going to have a character who has not a male or female gender identity which is good you know and what i like is that if a company like fantasy flight who had like is like i said earlier right is one of the biggest companies in our industry and if they Mm -hmm. take uh if they take the lead on this and move forward with this then you know it'll it'll set a good example for 
for everyone, really. And it's great. And so I'm, I'm happy to help companies like Fantasy Flight do things like this. So you were asking the original question, what do I think of change? Um, change is good. Change can be good. Um, but we should make mm-hmm. sure that the change is going in the right direction, um, either through our actions or our influence or what we can do, you know, wh- wherever we can. And, you know, even if it's just talking to your friends about having conversations with your friends about this, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, board game boxes were, in fact, I think now board game boxes, for example, mostly feature light-skinned people or, you know, mostly male people on the front of the box, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if you have characters yeah. in the game, most of the characters would be male. Um, it wasn't that long ago that sometimes you have double-sided characters, some male, some female. But even though that's a, uh, that can be seen as a good step, you uh, do miss out on the fact that gender is not just male and female now, right? There's uh, shades of along the gender spectrum. There's people who do not fall into either side of the binary. Um, mm-hmm. So these are, these are conversations that the board game industry should be having. Um, and board game players as well, right? Because if you are in this hobby, you are part of the culture of the hobby. So I think you, we, you know, you and me as individual gamers do also have a responsibility to think about these things. Yeah. Um, one of the issues that I always try and talk about is uh, colonialism in board games, right? Like, why do we need to have games about going to a new land and um, exploiting the natives and, and taking the resources? You know, we've been doing this since, what, the 90s with Catan, right? We don't need to be doing this anymore. Mm. We, can, we can move on to new themes, especially themes that do not um, continue to present colonialism as something that is fun or beneficial when in the real world it harms billions of people. To this, you know, continuously mm. to this day. So the, it's something with a pretty dark history, and so I don't think it should be portrayed as something fun, you know. And this is something that the yeah. that the industry I think still has some way to go on. And I think the reason it has some way to go on is partly because um, the theme works for a lot of games, right? With a lot of games, you oh, I want to make resources, I want to change those resources, I have workers. You know, and it's just something it's familiar, it's comfortable, it's easy for designers, it's easy for players to learn. But I feel like it's n- the comfort is not a good enough reason to keep doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? There's also, there's also, yeah, yeah. There's also that thing that maybe some people are interested in those um, kind of happenings in the history and they want to bind their game design into something that has happened. Mm. But it's wrong if you make fun out of it. If you make it in, I mean, in my opinion, not all games about colonization are wrong. But if you make fun about the colonization and uh, make the enslaving and make this kind of oppression and discriminations fun and what you should strive to do, and it's like obvious in the game that you are doing something, some bad things, then it's not good, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a water drawn line that what is what is fine and what is not fine but in my opinion all colonization games are not necessarily bad yeah but if they are made into it depends on the perspective that the game takes in my opinion at least no i agree with you but there's also it's a question of our games entertainment or our games art right if it's a game yeah. if it's a game about um trying to get people to see why colonialism is bad that prob- that game probably won't be very fun to play 
<laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that we have, you know, it's an industry where companies take a lot of risks, right? They put to, to print a game is expensive. Um, mm. So, you know, to to recoup as much money as they can, they ideally would want to make the game as fun as they can to yeah, appeal to as many people as they can. Right. So what mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm uh, trying to say here is that they can do that, but then if you're if you're making a game fun, but it's also about this theme, then there's a there's a problem. You know, you you can't balance this equation. Um, so my suggestion to publishers is just use a different theme, and yeah. that it's it's good as well because then you stand out from the from the rest of the crowd. Right, you you can be a, yeah. you can have a unique because we always hear this from board game reviewers, right? Oh, the theme is so unique. Oh, the theme is so great, you know. And and um, <laughs> and that's something that is obviously that's something that people want. Um, but I think a lot of the time, maybe publishers uh, go back to the the safe themes because, like I said, you know, making a game is a big risk. So they they do mm. what's safe. They do what is proven to sell. They do what's proven to work. And that's also where we come in as as consumers, right? Like if we make sure it doesn't work by not buying the games or talking about the games mm-hmm. or saying or continuing to have conversations about why these games, you know, are bad or the themes mm-hmm. of the games are bad rather, not the games themselves, right? Like the game itself could be excellent, a very innovative and wonderful and, and streamlined and elegant design. But it's just, you know, unfortunate that the theme on top is one that perpetuates harm. If we have that conversation honestly and we're able to talk about that, then I think you know that could be that could be good. And it will, just like we see a shift away from things like chainmail bikinis in the industry, we don't really have too many of those anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so they must be uncomfortable, also. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. if if we can, if we can, as an industry can move away from one thing, we can move away from other things. And it's mm. not just moving away; it's not just negative, right? It's moving towards new horizons like more creative and more interesting and more innovative games lie mm-hmm. if you just you know don't get too comfortable with these themes and try and push for new directions that's what i'm saying you know like if yeah. if you if you try and do new things um sometimes you will fail but sometimes you will succeed and you will be rewarded and the games industry will get better and we will have better games to play with more interesting and dynamic and unique and innovative things to do. And I think everybody wins. I'm going back to where you began replying this question and <laughs> it was a bit long answer, but um, you said that you are asked for this consultancy on this um, uh, yes. like diversity and such. Mm-hmm. And it seems that you really do things literally behind the scenes mm-hmm. because do you get credit in rule books uh, or yes. the games yes. or something, you yeah. get credited. Yeah. I do. Okay, because sometimes it seems that this thing that you do, that you say that, okay, how would, a, let's say, a Chinese person stand mm. or a sit or, or sit somewhere? Or yeah, if yeah. there's a group of people, what's the distance between them? Are example, they, where are yeah. they looking and such? It seems that it's a very small thing, but it's a very important thing. And people, especially people who play games, they might not even understand that these things are done in the process of creating the game. Mm. That that's really really interesting, but it's also important. Yeah, it's it's it is important, but it, at the same time, it's something that a lot of people won't notice 
But that's true yeah, of yeah. a lot of things. Like if you if you design a game really well, people won't notice elements of the design. They'll just go, oh yeah, they'll just play it and it'll really. It's also like when you design like the board or the cards, the graphic design, like how you lay out all the information. If it's good, mm. it's invisible, and you spend yes. hundreds of hours of work, you know, and people just don't see it. Yeah. So it's the same. It's the same thing. Like. Ideally, you put in all that work and it will be invisible. But if people, for people who are paying attention, they will see it and they will appreciate it. You know. Yeah, that that's really good point. That the better something is and the better something works, the less you pay attention to that. Yeah. Like if a game is working really smoothly, you just say it's a smooth game. But if there's a glitch somewhere mm. that it stops being smooth, let's say that there's a ridiculous downtime mm. everyone will pay attention and everyone will complain yes but if there's no downtime although there could be downtime but if it's designed so that the downtime is somehow diminished mm. by you having to do something on other players turns mm. people don't say that that's great that's great they just don't mind that's actually a good point yeah <clears throat> but if for those of us for example who study games who um who evaluate games who write about games we do notice mm. these things because we're, yes. we're paying attention. Um, but the idea is that for the average person, they, they won't notice. Um, yeah. Or if they do notice, it's only sort of subconsciously, right? Because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's our job as reviewers, right? When you, ask, when you ask a person who's maybe not a reviewer, oh, how did you like this game? And they go, oh, it was really nice. I really liked it. It was very fun. And we're trying to write a review that explains why we like it and why it's <laughs> yeah. really fun. Yeah, so you know we have to think about these things at a, at a slightly deeper level. But the but when you ask somebody, uh, uh, "How did you find this game?" They're like, uh, "It was okay. You know, it's a bit boring sometimes, but I did have mm. fun." So that that is a real response too, right? Like that is something that they experienced. That is a, yeah. their honest, authentic review of the game. Yeah. It's just that they may not um, have the vocabulary to explain why they thought it was a little bit yeah. boring or why they thought it was still pretty fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I also, if I'm making a review, I try to look at the game neutrally. And then after that, I think that why did I like it or why didn't I, I like it personally? And then I try to see it from other people that if you like something then you might like it and i mean for this reason you might like the game or yeah, for yeah. this reason you might not like the game yes. because i think for a reader or listener that's the important thing that would what would they feel yes because it's um it's just not possible for somebody to agree with you 100 percent, right but the yeah, point yeah. of the review is to let them make their own decision based on the information that you give them yeah and also many reviews do it so that they list the mechanics and uh, mechanisms and how it works mm. and how it feels but it doesn't speak to you that much i've noticed i'm not watching or listening reviews really that much anymore because they don't in a way speak to me if i want to know the mechanisms i can read the rule book mm. but I, yeah. I do it to, if it's a video i do it to see the components yeah. or how it plays but um how can I say? I try to make it so that it speaks to me, the review. Yeah. I mean, when that's, I write mine... That's, or that's what I'm trying to do as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or if I explain how I like the game, I try to make it so that the listener thinks that, okay, I I might like it because of this mm. and this and this. I try to make yeah. it... How can I say? 
not I, I mean I try to make it a bit deeper than just the mechanics and mechanisms and how it feels to me. I try to make it to the listener or the reader also. Yes, um, this is something that uh, I'm working on as well with my reviews. Um, I tr- I'm trying to do them in a way that's not just oh on your turn you do X. It made me feel Y. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard. It's really yes, hard. it is hard. Yeah. Because it's easy, easiest to do that what do you do in the game and uh, then yeah. just the conclusion this. But if you can go beyond the conclusion... <laughs> exactly. If I wanted to do that, I could finish up my entire pile of board game reviews in just a few days. Um, yes. It would be so easy. But I, I think that the games deserve more than that because people have worked, yeah. like I said, for hundreds and hundreds of hours on it. And I want to be able to write something that does it justice you know what i mean but at the same time maybe mm, i just yeah, yeah. need to loosen up you know yeah. it's been a but, difficult year <laughs> yeah that's true and actually i tried to begin writing reviews but when i was writing i noticed that i'm not able to express myself as i want to yeah. so nowadays i'm thinking that i will rather talk i mean like this to a microphone yeah and yeah, stare yeah. at the screen and look to the ceiling and think and then just <laughs> say what I think and then if I need to I can edit something out yeah. but I rather make a long discussion and then I just trim it a bit yeah. but I can express myself better speaking than writing yeah I can writing but it will I mean I will write pages if I begin mm-hmm. writing and that just takes too much time yeah it's not some kind of a time <laughs> I have because one written review can take so many hours yeah because I try to make it so good. My, I'm too good yeah, in my it's opinion. exactly what you said. Like I'm trying to find new mediums to do reviews. Um, like you said, talking is one way to do it. I also recently did... Well, it's not, I say recently, it's been like a year plus now. But I did a review <laughs> yeah. of like... Um, I reviewed a game as a limerick. I also mm-hmm. have a, a review that I've written... haven't published it yet, but I reviewed a game as a song. Um, mm-hmm. So it's... I'm trying to find new ways to do that that fit the game. And, but at the same yeah. time, tell people about it. And um, I also want it to, you know, to be to to be entertaining in itself, right? Because it's like you said, I, if you want components, you just go to BGG. If you want, uh, if you want mechanisms, you can just look at. Sorry, if you want, yeah, you like what you said earlier, BGG videos, all that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you can you can find it, but there has to be something different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you do your reviews in English or do you do them in? What language do you speak in Malaysia? Uh, Malaysia's main language is called Malay, um, yeah. but I do them in English. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do, have you done any in Malay? No, my Malay is not good enough. My Malay <laughs> but is not you good are enough. in Malaysia. Come on. Yeah. No, I can speak it. I can. I can read it kind of well, not that well. Yeah. My first language is English. Um, ev- oh, everyone really? here speaks English. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, that reminds me that you were actually in some movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, like I was. Uh, almost ma- ma- main actor. <laughs> I actually watched that movie after I saw you in Spiel because I, my wife was asking that who is this guy in the picture. I said that he's in this movie, let's watch it. And we watched it a bit later. And it was actually a quite good movie. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, do you want to tell them what movie we're talking about? Yeah, we Crazy Rich Asians. And you were some of the relatives on the dinner table i remember you eating something yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking. i'm um i'm one of the characters brothers that you know i have a very small role in the movie but um i it was just random basically i said i'm a writer but i have done a lot of other stuff in my in my life like i've done theater mm. i've done tv i've done um 
film. And when I used to do more film stuff, I worked with I worked with some people and they worked on Crazy Rich Asians and they were like, hey, why don't you come and audition for this for this Warner Brothers movie? It's going to be pretty big. And I'm like, okay, I'll audition. And just randomly, the audition led me to being in the movie. So, yeah. How was that experience? Was it interesting? And are you planning to act in anything else? Oh, if they ask me to, I will, obviously. The money is really good. Um <laughs> I would love to, but it's just a you know film filmmaking right now is in a bit of a slump. Um, yeah, we can't that's true. we can't do in person films um, unless everybody is isolated and quarantined and tested and stuff. I don't even know what the status is on the sequel to Crazy Rich Asians. Like I don't know what's happening there. I guess I could ask yeah. the director. Uh, maybe I should. Maybe it's are just they planning? Are they this. planning to make a sequel? Yeah, they are planning to make a sequel because the first oh. one was so successful. Um, they did not expect it to be as well received and um, make the amount of money that it did. They did not expect mm-hmm. anywhere near the amount of um, response. And I think it's because, you know, the story is something that that feels very authentic to a lot of people. For those who don't know, the movie yeah. is about an American Chinese uh, woman named Rachel. And she wants to get, uh, she has this boyfriend who's Singaporean. And they go mm-hmm. home to Singapore for a wedding, not his wedding, but his friend's wedding. And then she finds out that her boyfriend has is actually incredibly rich, and so this <laughs> so this presents an obstacle to their relationship, right? Because um, you know the, this is uh, new. But what I like about the what I like about the movie is that it's not the problem is not the two of them, like the two of them are very much in love and they want the relationship to yeah. work. The problem is you know everything, all of the circumstances surrounding the relationship, which I like the. I like romantic comedies, but I find that a lot of them irritate me because the main couple sometimes get on my nerves because they're not nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I like it. I like it when stories, interesting stories, can be told, um, where where it's just you know good people trying their best, and yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, we we also liked the movie. It was it didn't feel like waste of time and such. Like some romantic comedies can be really mm. really waste of time, but this one was good. Yeah, and maybe it's because that kind of scene or that kind of like atmosphere or happening or culture hasn't been really filmed mm. in that much, especially in the Western movies. That's, I'm sure that in the in the Asian movies there are lots of those movies, but. In Western movies, there's not that much. I remember in the 90s, there was this big fat Greek wedding. I think that mm. did also well. And that was one of the first ones in a similar thing, class of cultures. It's, exa- it's exactly what I was saying earlier, right? If you increase the diversity, everyone benefits because you, you yes. come up with new, interesting, innovative things and show them to people. And yeah, exactly. That's what exactly what I'm saying. And also, also the movie, I think the storyline is legitimately very good. I think the acting is very good. Um, apart from yeah. this one guy, he's weird. Don't just turn the TV off when he's on. Um, Which one? Me, me. I don't. <laughs> ah, you, you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you ate really well in the movie. Don't worry. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. I had to eat so many of those noodles. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you have to eat many times the same food? <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it wasn't wrapped with the first take. No, no, no. They they did they did multiple <laughs> multiple takes, and then I I realized only after I'd eaten so much of it that like two thirds of the takes that I'd been doing, the camera was not actually pointed at me, so I didn't have to eat all of it. 
Oh well. But you got you got noodles. I got noodles. They were nice. <laughs> Good. Do you have anything to add to this part of the discussion, this change and what you've been doing during the last year and this corona nonsense and such? No. At the moment. No. I do want to thank everyone who's listening um, for tuning in because I think, you know, when we do things like this, it always helps um, when people appreciate it and listen to it. So thank you very much for listening. Yeah. I still want to ask you that do you think you yourself have changed during the last year uh, due to what has happened? Yeah, probably. But in you can't really tell, right? When you look at yourself, it's it's harder to see. You look at something mm. else, it's easier. But, you know, I I, yeah. I probably have, but I don't have the ability to say what exactly. I hope I've become a better writer in 12 months. Um, yeah, that's prob- that's probably true. I probably have gotten better. Um, yeah. Yeah. How about in the future? What do you expect or what do you want from the future for yourself or in general? Uh, when I was saying the fantasy flight job, why I was so excited, it's partly, partly that. Right? Now they know who I am. You know, hopefully mm-hmm. they will invite me to do more jobs for them. My hope is to start writing um, fiction and stories professionally, and that's the only thing I do. Um, mm-hmm. Like writing articles and new stuff was fun; I liked it, but it's not my favorite. You know, writing rule books and things like that—it's—I'm good at it. It's also fun, but it's not my favorite. If I can just write stories for the rest of my life and get paid to do that, that's the dream. Mm. Uh, if you can choose the theme for your stories, mm-hmm. what would be the theme? Do you like this sci- science fiction stuff, yes. fantasy stuff? Science fiction is uh, my favorite. Spaceships, laser guns. Um, but the reason I like science fiction uh, is actually that we—it's sort of like a mirror of us. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, um, it's oh, but it's also a way to look at things in a new way. Like the story that I wrote for Fantasy Flight, one of the comments that my editor had was, okay, so it, the story is not very long. It's about 2,000 words. Mm-hmm. But it's set on a ship. And it's the crew of that ship trying to escape from a, a difficult situation. Right? They're being chased mm-hmm. by evil aliens. Um, and one of the notes that my editor gave to me was, this ship that you've written, this crew that you've written for me, feels like a human crew these are not humans mm-hmm. they're aliens how can we differentiate them you know how can we um make it so that they feel more like an alien species and i was like oh that's a very mm-hmm. good comment and it made me start to think about you know in what ways can i portray this crew because it, it when you when you you know when you watch science fiction or when you watch fantasy you tend to just follow along with what you've seen right like if you watch fantasy mm-hmm. you're thinking of lord of the rings if you watch sci-fi you're thinking of star wars or star trek right yeah um yeah. so what i realized is that i was subconsciously just using star trek as the basis for this ship and this crew mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay that's 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 a really good comment from my editor who's a, a very wonderful lady named katrina ostrander she's the fiction editor at fantasy flight games and she i think is like the law master there like she has all of the law of all of the different projects there like either in her brain or just in a bunch of documents probably both i don't know but mm. katrina told me you know this this crew feels too human can we break it up so i did i i found a way to to do it that i think is very interesting and um 
it sort of led me to think, you know, to see science fiction in a new way, right? It's not, not just reflecting who we are as people, but also to imagine what could be, right? What else is out there in the big uni- wide universe? Yeah, and that's actually a good transition from science fiction to our top nine lists. Should we move on to our top nine lists? What do you think? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> This is so fun. I love talking about games. Just to let you know that I now have Patreon. Yeah, I might have said that I will not create one, but I decided to make one anyway. Not for the money, but for the community mostly, because it's really difficult to reach you listeners somehow. So if you want to go and take a look what you will get if you show me some patronage, the address is patreon.com forward slash mitapelataan. Thank you in advance for even considering to look at the Patreon page. It's much appreciated. But without further ado, on with the show and let's see what kind of top nine lists we've created this time. What have you chosen as our top nine games topic this week? It is top nine science fiction games. What a surprise. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. You were you were thinking that you should make your top nine games and you had so many space games there that I thought that maybe science fiction is near and dear to your heart. And It is. Then when I said that maybe that would be a good topic, you said that yes, yes, it's the best topic ever. <laughs> no, I completely agree. It is the best topic ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I noticed also when I was making my list that I have quite a few science fiction games that I like. Mm. Uh, how did you make your list? Is it full of space games or is it mix or... No, not it? all of them are space games. Um, some of them do not even have space in them at all. But we can talk mm-hmm. about them when we... I just I just, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, just looked at the games that I like and if they had a science fiction theme, they went on the list and it st- I stopped at nine. That's all I did. Ah, okay. Uh, my process was a bit more difficult because this is now 13th time that I'm making a top nine list mm-hmm. and I try not to use a game two times. So oh, um, fr- from my list there are missing uh, Underwater Cities, Terraforming Mars, Firefly, Anachrony, Race for the Galaxy, Battlestar Galacti- Galactica, Backstrands Humanity and Pulsar 2849 as well as I didn't include Star Wars. Because I thought that it would be IP, so I didn't add any Star Wars games, and I didn't add Forbidden Stars because that's Warhammer. And oh. I thought that they are not science enough, or they are more like IP stuff, in my opinion. Okay. I do have some IP stuff on my list, but not many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's my own restriction. <laughs> I didn't want... Also, I didn't want to make my list full of space games, so I threw out Alien Frontier, Skya Project, and Galaxy Trucker. So I have different kind of sci-fis as well, not just space. Mm. It would have been over half space otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how do we do this? Do you, ha- do you have any honorable mentions? Oh. No, but if you stopped at nine, then you don't have honorable mentions, of course. <laughs> you just draw a hard, yeah. draw a hard line yeah. there. Yeah, oh, that, that's fine. I'm, I'm sure I'll have plenty to talk about with these nine games anyway. Yeah, so we'll go one by one. Uh, first nine, then eight, then seven, then six, and so on and so forth. Sure. You begin... You'd say yours first, and I say mine after that. And until now, we've had this um, kind of habit here that whoever is the guest is the one who can be the announcer for the number. So you can 
uh, act like your Eric Summerer or whoever <laughs> is your favorite announcer. Eric Summerer was actually in a, as a guest here oh, once, nice. and I don't know if he was the best Eric Summerer or has have there been better Eric Summerer. <laughs> well, I'm not going to. Tried I'm not going to live least. up to that. I'm just going to say it, number nine. <laughs> yeah, in whatever style you want. I just said it, number nine. Okay, so we can begin. Number nine. My number nine game is Soul: Last Days of a Star. Mm-hmm. Um, by oh, I cannot remember the name of the. I should have looked all this up. <laughs> okay, right. So, Soul: Last Days of a Star. Publisher: Elephant Laboratories. Designer: Ryan Spangler, Sean Spangler, and the artist is John Meatling. Soul: Last mm-hmm. Days of a Star is um, one of my favorite uh, games. It's about um, players are playing as spaceships, and the spaceships are orbiting the sun. And you have to send, um, I guess, drones like into the sun, to and the deeper mm-hmm. you go, the more energy you get. But uh, obviously, you have to spend more time getting it down there. And one of my favorite things about it is that the your your ships are still orbiting, so they're still spinning around the sun. So so every turn, your ships will be in a new position. So you have to, you know, think about that when you when you're playing. But it's not it's not very complicated. Um, it plays pretty fast, 45 minutes to 90 minutes. Um, it's like an engine building and construction game where you you send your drones into the sun and your drones turn into structures and other players can use your structures as well, but then you, they have to pay you, you know, some energy and energy is the main currency in this game. There's like a bunch of cards that can cause funny things to happen uh, and, the, and the winner is just whoever has the most energy by the time the sun collapses. Mm-hmm. I haven't played this actually. It is very, very beautiful. That's what if if you go and look it up. the The cover is one of the best covers in board games, in my opinion, and the uh, the art direction is very, very good. All right, my number nine is a game that probably no one has heard about. Maybe some Finnish listeners have. This is uh, a Finnish game from eighties or nineties. I remember it being one of my favorite games in my childhood. Maybe even the favorite game. It's a roll and move game, and it's set in USA in 2032. And I want to read this explanation of the game. You can actually find it from Board Game Geek. The game takes place in the USA in 2032. The population has centered to seven metropolises. Players are truck drivers trying to earn money by transporting goods from city to city through the dangerous deserts where battles with bandits can be fatal. And you try to deliver goods from city to city and you can be attacked and you try to this is like a pick up and deliver you try to pick up chewing gum from somewhere which is actually a contraband (laughs) (laughs) and then you try to deliver it across the uh, country and some cities pay more some pay less and you just deliver goods but the theme is awesome I mean it's it is that's so cool it's it has only 10 Ratings, 18 ratings in Board Game Geek. And this is called Taistelurekka. I can actually link it to you so you can check it out if you want to. Awesome. But this is only in Finnish and it's, I had to add it because this is so nostalgic for me. And I wish they would make some kind of a reprint out of this. Not necessarily in Finnish, but if they made it in English, it would be really, really cool. You can also improve your truck. You can add mm. bumpers and such. And it's a roll and move, of course, but it's pick up and deliver and 
I wanted to add it to this list so that I can add it to some list. I still have it, <laughs> actually, the original one from the 80s Amazing. or 90s. I don't remember Amazing. when it's published. This is, it, this is exactly the kind of nonsense that I love. I think this is so cool. <laughs> um, this yeah. is, um, have you played Wasteland Express, which is like a similar theme to this? Yes, but that is like a, um, it's, it's more Mad Max style, yeah, yeah. this Wasteland Express. Mm -hmm. This is mainly just driving the fortified truck mm -hmm. and some bandits trying to attack you. Mm -hmm. This is much simpler. I liked Wasteland Express. Actually, I like that game. Good. I don't have it anymore because the resale value to that was higher than what I bought it for. So oh, I thought yeah. that I can just sell it and I buy it later if I want to. So my number nine was Taistelurekka, Paddle Truck. My number eight is Forbidden Stars. You mentioned it earlier. Forbidden Stars yeah. is a game by Samuel Bailey, James Niffen, and Corey Kaneska. Uh, the publisher is Fantasy Flight Games. Um, it's Warhammer, like you said, but it's uh, it's a big it's a big space game, tons of minis. Um, the main difference between it and the other big space game, Twilight Imperium, is that this one is just battles. So you just make units and they fight. Uh, whereas Twilight Imperium is about a lot more than than space battles. Uh, you know? Yeah, you're spoiling your list now. Oh, but, I mean, <laughs> anyone who's heard of me will know. Will know what the, the number one and number two are. That's fine. Uh, Forbidden Stars is very pretty. I really like all of the the minis. I think the um, I think the theme is fun. I, I have not I have not played the Warhammer 40k war game, but I have played some mm -hmm. of the video games. I like the Marines and I like the the Eldar factions, and, I, and importantly, this was based on the StarCraft board game, which was one of the first board games I ever bought mm -hmm. um, back in, oh, I don't know, 2005, 2006. So for Do you still have it? StarCraft? No, I sold StarCraft. Yeah. I sold StarCraft. It would have been really valuable. Oh, yeah, I sold it, it for a lot. Condition. I sold it for a ah, lot. Ah, okay. I sold, okay. It, I sold it in awful condition because of one of my first few games I didn't know how to take care of games. I sold it in yeah. awful condition for as much as I bought it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but part of the reason I did sell it was because I got Forbidden Stars. Uh, and Forbidden yeah. Stars is one of those games. Actually, I think all of these games I'm talking about are games that will never ever leave my collection because I just like them so much. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But the, the downside with Forbidden Stars is that it's long. It's a th two to three hour game. Oh, <coughs> I've only played it a few times, and one of those, and one and one of those times, um, one of the players was very distracted, so it didn't end up being a very positive experience. But um, it's fine; I like it still. You say that's long. Come on, Ti. Ti is ten hours. How is Forbidden Stars long? We'll Come on. we'll talk about Ti when we get there. Yeah, actually, Forbidden Stars would have definitely been on my list. It's my twenty-first favorite game of all time. Mm. At least was when I made the list last time. I really like it, and I was playing Warhammer Forty K well twenty years ago or something. I had Tyranids and Wolfguard. What are those called? Space Wolves, mm. and I I really liked that already then. But this this game is really good, and I agree with everything you said. And I especially like this action mechanic mechanism that you put the tokens on top of each other yeah and then they are sorted the last last in first out so you can block someone's action yeah if you want to that's really good i really like the game yeah, yeah. but you said that we talk about twilight imperium later we don't <laughs> because it's my number eight and this is tr3 and this is here because i've only played this one time and it's been years since i played it 
so I can't put it higher and also mm, I wanted to have some kind of mixture with the teams on the top of the list okay there are a few space games but anyway I don't remember that much from this game I remember that it's good I have rated it 8 it seems on board game geek but I'll let you talk about the fourth edition a bit later in your list this is the third edition and I really want to play fourth edition when I have time and possibility to do so mm. it's a great game okay uh, my number seven is Android from 2008 designer Daniel Clark and Kevin Wilson Kevin Wilson, you may remember from designing Doom and Descent. Um, artist, mm -hmm. Julie Dillon, Henrik Ludvinsson, Stefan Morel, Aaron Paganos, plus two more. Uh, I should click on the plus two more. It's not letting me <laughs> see. Uh, Didier Poli and Zoe Robinson. Uh, yeah, Zoe Robinson's one of my friends. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games is the publisher, and Android is the original board game from 2008 that kicked off the uh, entire Android universe that includes... Um, games like Netrunner. So Android is a murder mystery board game. So you are a detective, you have to solve a mystery, but not just solving the mystery, you also have to um, solve your own personal problems. Like depending on who you play, your car can break down, you can have problems with your dad, um, you can have a uh, struggle with, with being sentient because you're a robot. Um, you only have your, also have your own personal problems to, to, to solve and that for me is what makes the game so interesting it's not just about solving the crime the crime is whatever but you know it's about the characters and making sure they have a decent life or you know balancing that between working on the case and balancing that between all of the other things you need to do really innovative unique game that I think nothing has really been made like it and that's why that's why I enjoy it so much. Apart from the fact that you know the characters are great. I, I haven't even seen this live. I've now I opened it and it looks actually quite good. It is. But I, I haven't played this. I don't know anyone who has it or where I could play it. And it seems that it has some kind of transparent standees. Oh no, that's that's cool. um. If you're looking at that on BGG images, those are those are custom. Ah, okay. The, the stand the standees are not transparent in the in the real. Okay. Yeah. Alright. I, I didn't know. I have never even seen this, so I have no idea. It's actually interesting you are reading all the designers and such, and you're the first person thus far, if I remember right, who is reading all the artists and designers. But go on, I should do have, it, I should, please. <laughs> I should have done that right from the start when I knew we were going to talk about this, but uh, I've opened them all up now. It's important to me. It's important to me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. I just, I didn't read mine, but I will read the rest. You will say the people who made this TI and Tastelorecca doesn't have designer. It's published by Nelos Pellet, which doesn't exist like that anymore. It's inside some other company currently. Mm. But I will do it from now on. And for the previous TI, you will handle that yes. in later in your list. Yes. All right. So as I said, I wanted to include some <laughs> different themes. So my uh, number... Seven game is a from a designer that is all about the theme and no mechanisms. This is from 2014. Artist is Dennis Lohausen, and from that alone, you know that there is no theme in this game. This is Aquasphere by mm. Stefan Feld. Yes. But um, I think the setting, at least, even if not the theme, the setting is really cool in this one. That you are in this under underwater laboratory mm. trying to do research and then there's octopi coming inside and mm. you have to 
deal with them, you have to get them out, and there are robots who are doing your things, and I just like Stefan Feld's games, and this is this is very interesting and different science fiction theme from the others in my list, or the other, from the others that I've played, and I, I think there should be some kind of nautical science fiction theme, although not, not very... Uh, well coming out from the game but better than from most of his games and people are giving him grief for no reason he tries to even if he doesn't add theme he adds a setting and the setting usually works with that game yeah, yeah. somehow yeah i think i think what people say when they say oh the theme is pasted on i think what they mean is that it doesn't integrate very well with the me- with the mechanics of the game but i mean mm. the la- my last three games i you can retheme them, I guess, but it works. The, the theme works super well with the game. With, whereas with something like underwater, sorry, with aquasphere, it's you know possible to change it to a slightly different theme, and it wouldn't affect the game too much. Mm, Which yeah. I mean, it's fine. Both both styles of games are things that people enjoy. Yeah, I'm not that critical with theme usually. Anyway, as long as the setting is fine, and I, I'm more of a, I'm more. Um, interested in the setting than I'm in the theme in a way. Do you probably understand? What no, I, mean? I definitely, I definitely the- do. The setting, the setting is important, yeah. but the theme is like how well does it integrate with the game, right? I think it's more yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah. For me, both of yeah, them yeah. are very important. The setting has to be interesting, and I think the setting has to work for the game in a really, you know, has to really integrate well with the mechanics. That's what I really like in games. I like doing things and feeling like. I'm doing them in that the world of the game. Doesn't matter what the world is, yeah. you know. It can be it can yeah, be yeah. building a church in in medieval Europe. But if I really feel like I'm building a church in medieval Europe, I will like it. <laughs> so, in my opinion, in Aquasphere, the setting works. The theme doesn't come through, but the setting works here, mm. and I like that. Yeah. Number six. Number six. Mine is Adrenaline, uh, from 2016. Designer Philip Neduk, artist Jacob Pulitzer, publisher Czech Games Edition. So this was their big box, big box release um, in 2016, Adrenaline, which is a game about um, characters in an arena hitting each other with fantastical weapons like lightning guns and rocket launchers and machine guns and sniper rifles and plasma weapons. Yeah, so it's a it's a very um, it's a very fun, not that complicated game because. Um, they've kept the maps very small. And the idea here is that you want to shoot people, and when you shoot people, you, you score points. But you want to shoot different mm. people instead of all ganging up on one person because if you keep shooting the same person, they're worth less points. You want to spread out the damage. Um, and, you want to, and you want to keep moving around and um, keep reloading your weapons and making sure you have ammunition. It's actually very, very Euro. There's no dice in this game. Um, mm-hmm. When you fire a weapon, all you do is just, oh, I play the card. You just do what it says on the card, and no, no, no. So it's yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a really cool theme for a Euro game. It's one of my favorite Euro games, um, and it, I think if you like the kind of shooters that it's inspired by, like Unreal Tournament and Quake, um, Adrenaline is really worth looking at. Really fun game. You're taking my comments away. <laughs> I was going to say that <laughs> this is ex- this feels exactly like Unreal Tournament to me. Oh yeah, I if you played it, it yeah? a lot, a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played it. I had it. I sold my copy away oh. earlier because it's too big box. I, I mean, I have this shelf space issue. Oh. <laughs> it's a good game, but a friend of mine liked it more, so, so I sold it to him. Oh, I see, I see. It's a- and he still has it, and he still enjoys it. And I will, I will play it if it's on the table. Mm. I, I like the game. It's good. And what I like the most in the game 
is how they made this that you shouldn't just repeatedly kill one person because that's less points to you. I really like how they made that you should divide your um, hits yeah. around yeah. because then then it doesn't become this kind of a let's all kill that guy all the time because you shouldn't you won't win that way. Yes. And, and it's very very well done in my opinion. I agree. And I also like that it's very candy colored. It's not brown and gray. It's like purple yes. and it's purple and pink and bright green. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. It's a good game, just not good enough to fit myself. Yeah, that's and right. I have a friend who likes it more more so. He has it now. Good game. Good pick. My number 6 is a game that wouldn't have been on this list if we did this list one week ago because I played it last weekend. Oh, nice. And this was sent to me by DLP Games. I mean, they gave a small discount because I made a pre-order and I said that I will review if you give me a discount. Mm. So I'm going to make a review out of this game. And this is um, published last year, designed by Alexander Pfister and Arno Steinwander, mm. and it's Cloud Age. Oh. Um, this is, um, if you have played Marakaibo, nope. this is a lightweight Marakaibo. Nope. But it works, it's quite interesting, you're uh, flying a blimp <laughs> on a, uh, like a long, there's a long board and there are clouds around the board and in every cloud there's a city beneath and you're supposed to fly your blimp and uh, stop on the city and then you have to fight against the city's guards and if you win then you get the prize if you don't then you don't get the prize but you still get to do some kind of actions mm. and the, f- the game has two phases in a way two main phases first you move and then you do something in the city where you move to and this works very very well and it has the similar uh, card deck system as Maracaibo does that's why I said that it's like Maracaibo Light, but uh, yeah, you go from one end to the other and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins the game. And this has a, um, not a campaign, but kind of like, how should I say, there are chapters. It's not that kind of a campaign, it's like a book that you can read one chapter at a time, or you can just take a, a separate mission, mm. same way as in Maracaibo. Mm. And I think it works quite well related to that I haven't rated this yet it's strange that I don't rate the game after one play but it seems that I've forgotten but I have to play a few more uh, chapters until I can make my mind about this because the first chapter is kind of a tutorial there is there are some parts of mechanisms missing in the first part but this is very promising I might like this a lot speaking of ratings it's light but it's good oh yeah that's, it, it does sound interesting and it looks really good. I am I am curious about it, but I've I've never actually played an Alex Vista game. Wondering mm-hmm. which one I should do first. Maybe Cloud this Age because I like this one. This, this one this one would suit your tastes in team and or you could try Blackout Hong Kong also. That might suit mm. you your team team likeness. I mean, how much you like different mm. teams well. But this would be actually good to begin. This is a very very good first like a beginner game even. And if you like this, you can go to Maracaibo if you like that. Yeah. That's a bit heavier than this. But this is a good, like a welcoming game, as Z Garcia tries to say to everyone. <laughs> but yeah, that's better than Gateway Game. I agree. In my yeah, opinion. a welcoming game or like, yeah. So yeah. you said about personal rating. I realized that none of these games that I've chosen here are lower than 8.5. These are all 8.5 or above. 
that I've chosen. Yeah, mine are probably eight and above. I mean, personal eight point five, right? Not eight point five on BGG, <laughs> like my personal. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know, but I had to throw these some nines and some eight point fives out, fives out from the list. Yeah, so. yeah, from your personal but, restrictions. Yeah, but all of the games in my list, I uh, suggest people try, if possible. Yes, same here. Um, a lot of these are my very favorite games, including this one, number five, Level Seven Omega Protocol. Uh, designer Will Schoonover, uh, artist. Well, there's a lot of artists. Hang on. <laughs> uh, Richard Anderson, Matt Fabrash, Lane Garrett, Adrian Mac Macras, John Mandeville, Marco Mazzoni, Nesta Osendon, Kevin Prangley, Mike Valencourt, publisher, Privateer Press. This is from 2013. They recently had a reprint second edition, which um, I got. I didn't. They offered an upgrade to second edition for owners of first edition, so I didn't rebuy the whole game. I just got the mm -hmm. upgrade kit to go to second edition. It was just the rule book, and some uh, and a couple of new components. Not really a, a huge um, upgrade. So the se the second edition was more like a reprint, right? Where they chose where they fixed some stuff, not like a whole new version of the game. Mm -hmm. um, also, I recently just learned that Will Schoonover is non-binary. Mm -hmm. um, which is which is great because so they he she they designed one of my favorite games yeah yay so level level <laughs> 7 omega protocol is a dungeon crawler um, where you play a bunch of commandos and you go into a secret government base like area 51 style of thing and you're supposed to fight the aliens that are inside the base and it is my favorite dungeon crawler um, it's one of my the reasons it's my favorite dungeon crawler is because Unlike a lot of... Okay, games like Descent and Imperial Assault, I like them a lot, but my issue with them is that you start weak and then the first few levels are not very interesting because you don't have that many options. Mm -hmm. right? With level 7, you start at maximum power. Mm -hmm. you, 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 you start with... Uh, a, like You select all from this wide variety of gear. You, you build your, your commandos the way you want and each commando can be built in a couple of different ways. Like the Rifleman, for example, they can be a sniper... Or they can control like a drone, and you can have a little drone friend uh, running around for you. Um, so not just a drone; you can control multiple types of drones. Or you can be like a medic character. So there's options for you to play for each one, and you can choose them right from the start. So you don't have to play four or five missions into the campaign before you unlock everything. You just fully unlock right from the start. Um, and yeah, I really like that, and I really like the theme. This like you know um, classical science fiction. Guns and Aliens, very like XCOM. Yeah, I really like Omega Protocol. And I highly recommend, now that it's back in print, anyone who likes um, one versus many games where there's a dungeon master, uh, check this out. I really like it. And that's the reason why it's not on my list, because I don't like one versus many games. But this mm. one, we've played it with the same group, a few missions, I think, but it's five years ago or something like that. And mm. I really like this. This is one of the best space dungeon crawlers. Maybe even the best space dungeon crawler. And I like this adrenaline mechanism. Or what is it called? Is it adrenaline? Yeah, it's adrenaline, the, yeah. So yeah. What, it, what that is That's is the like the more... Monster. Yeah. You you explain. It's your game. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You can explain it. I've talked a lot. Yeah. It, uh, if I remember right, it's that if the, uh, like the good guys or the uh, marine characters, if they do something, they... Uh, produce adrenaline for the evil player and then the evil player can use that the more he or she has or they have they can 
add it to different spots to do uh, stronger things to the players. Yes, yes exactly. Was it so like that? It's exactly like that. You explained it exactly right. So, yeah. So, the, the more the soldiers do, the more the, the bad guys get to do. Yeah, and I think it works really well. This is this is really good game, but I haven't played it in so many years. I don't own the game, so I can't li- really play it. But if we could continue with the same group somehow, someday, then I would gladly play this more. It's a great game. So what's your number five? My number five is designed by Gavin Brown and Matt Tolman. And artists are Gavin Brown, Scott Carmichael, Lina Cosette, and David Forrest. This is by Roxley Games. How surprising <laughs> when you hear those designers. And this is Super Mathelode. Mm. This is basically based on a computer game that I don't remember the name of. But you are on Mars and you are digging into the Mars uh, planet and trying to find uh, some kind of tools and good things and... There are different bonuses depending where you drill and with different color uh, people that you have you can drill to different parts of the um, of the land and <laughs> it's a bit difficult to <laughs> explain i don't remember the name of the game but if i remember the name of the computer game then you will know what i'm talking about if you know the game you dig mm. to the earth and you collect things from there and yeah. in this game you also build your deck so this combines tile laying and deck building and it does it very well this is not very popular game i think maybe it has some kind of printing issues or something but it was very difficult to get at some point it's and 607 I, on board game Geek. that's pretty high for a game from 2015 yeah yeah that's true but it has 3000 ratings and it no one is talking about this uh, it has two printings, if I remember right, mm. and this is one of the earlier games that Roxley printed, I think. This is, comes in a small box, and I like that it's a small box. It fits to the cell- shelf <laughs> <laughs> easier. But this is a great game. It's better than it looks, and it's better than you might think. It's really yeah. good game. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. Sometimes you can make a really good game and really believe in it, and it just doesn't go anywhere. And then you you're stuck with a bunch of stock you can't sell, and yeah, it's it's frustrating. This industry is difficult because we have a physical product. Yeah, you know, it's not like in video games where you can just you know make ten video games and people can just buy them digitally, but you need to actually physically print the game to people. To, yeah, yeah. So that was your number five, Super Motherload. Yep. My number four is a game that you mentioned earlier you took off your list, Anachrony. Mm-hmm. Anachrony is by David Tertzi, designer Richard Aman and Victor Peter, artists... Oh, I'm going to get all of these wrong. Vilo <laughs> Farkas, Laszlo Fejes, Laszlo Forgak, Marton Guia Kis, and Peter Mezlieni, publisher Mindclash Games. Um, <laughs> Hungarian names. <laughs> are they Hungarian? Yeah, they're pronounced like Finnish. Isn't it a Hungarian company, Mind Class Games? I think it's Hungarian. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It, it should be. I think they are Hungarian. Okay. Well, Anachrony is uh, a game. It's a worker placement game, but you 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 can also place your workers either into the city where they don't need giant mech suits, or you can place them outside in the wilderness where they do need giant mech suits. Uh, and I got the review copy of this game. Um, I would not be able to afford to buy this game. It's so it's so much um, with all of the miniatures and yeah, it's really high production. 
really uh, cool slick worker placement with a time travel mechanic you can borrow resources from your future self but you have to pay them back otherwise there will be uh, paradoxes you have to unravel the timeline properly yeah it's a it's a complicated loan system but it's really it's, i really like it and the art is ph phenomenal one of the prettiest games on this list um yeah anachrony when did you get this did you get it like earlier or did you get this infinity box okay couple years okay ago? all right i got it at spiel i think 2017 yeah 2017 or 2018, can't remember. But I got an Edge Spiel review copy. Um, mm -hmm. And I pledged for the Infinity Box in 2019 because I wanted to support them because, wow, this game is so good. But I got a review copy and they, they, they announced this Infinity Box. The Infinity Box is like a big box to store all of the game <laughs> in one box. It's a really big box. It's bigger <laughs> it's than Gloomhaven. It's bigger than Gloomhaven. Um, and... I, the, it also came with a couple of expansions, so I bought it. It's the only deluxe thing I've ever bought for board games. I don't usually mm. do deluxe stuff, but it's the first thing I've ever gotten, and I'm really happy. It's It comes with trays to store all of the components nicely. It fits everything into one box with, all the, with different trays for each expansion. So if you want to play with this expansion, you just pull out this tray. Yeah, it makes, makes it really easy. I'm really happy. I like it a lot. You've yeah. played it before, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I have it. I have the, I mean, the first edition, and then mm. I have the expansion, so I have the suits. And mm. I, I would I would have been so jealous if they sent you the Infinity Box as a review copy. And I didn't oh. even want to ask. I, no, I, no, 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 no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare ask for an Infinity <laughs> Box. So I, I bought it. I paid for it. Yeah. yeah, they are Hungarian, because I remember, I'm trying to check. I backed their Trickerion. I think that was their first game. I backed it in Kickstarter. Uh, friends of mine said that back that let's play and they still didn't play it with me it's unplayed <laughs> on the shelf since the first kickstarter so it's Amazing. from 2015 or oh, yeah. what is it 2014 it's been waiting i don't like my friends those friends <laughs> no they are nice but um, i have this first version of trickerian and i remember they were hungarian they were beginning at that point hmm. and anachrony is really good game i it's agree with everything fantastic you said. game and um, especially if you play with that uh, expansion where they where they have these missions that you send mm, the mech to yes. a mission yes, that yes, gives yes. so much so much other I mean new stuff to the game. It's it's really good. The 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 amount of work that they put into this game is really really impressive. It's so yes. streamlined. It's so fast, um, and it looks intimidating, but it's actually not. You don't play with much with all the components in each game. There's just a lot of components. That, yeah. Um, you can play um, very simple. Like if you just play base game only, it's pretty simple. It's not very complicated. Um, and I said it's expensive, but if you buy just the base game now, I think it's fifty euro. So yeah. it's like you know a normal, normal euro game price. Um, yes, the essential edition is not expensive in my opinion. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's yeah. only when you start to buy the minis and the expansions. Yeah, that's. Yes. I paid for the Infinity Box. I paid sixty US dollars and twenty US dollars shipping, which is honestly ridiculous. The, the box is so big. Twenty US dollars shipping. That's so cheap. Yeah, that's that's true for that size box shipping because you sometimes have to if you kickstart something you have to pay twenty twenty euros to ship a small box of cards sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> depends a bit. I don't really trust some kickstarters with the shipping and nowadays i'm checking what is the percentage of the shipping compared to the percentage of the pledge and if it goes too high i'm not packing i don't care what it is i'm not paying for shipping that much 
Yeah, especially uh, previously, you know, before this year, I'd be like, I'll just pick it up at Spiel. <laughs> yeah, yes. How did that work this year? <laughs> no, it didn't work at all. I, there were some games that I was like, oh, this looks so good. But I won't, ba- I won't back the Kickstarter. The shipping's too much. I'll just go pick yeah. it up at Spiel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you can, you can probably pick it up next year. Hopefully. If, if there is I'll a did, Spiel next wait, year. Wait, this year, this year. I'm definitely not going to spiel this year, even if there is, because uh, Malaysia's vaccinations, we won't be vaccinated in time to go anyway. So, mm, okay. So it'll yeah. be minimum 2022 for the next spiel. What's your yeah. number four? My number four is Sidereal Confluence. Mm, I have not played this one. Uh, this is a game that you either like or you don't like. This is very crazy, but I had to add this to this list. And the designer is... Tauseti Deichmann, I like the name that his name is, or their name is Tauseti. <laughs> like the, isn't it a star or something? Yes. Ar- artists in the new edition, at least, are Kwan Saimoria. Yes, Jesse Saidul and Nakarin Sukontakoron. And I haven't seen the new edition. I've only played this one time in a convention when they were still a thing. And it was the older edition, and I really, really, really like this. So, so crazy game that you just you have a alien race, and you have some kind of things that you can produce, and to produce those things you have to trade with others, things that you need to produce those things, and you just trade all the time. You should trade, but this can fall flat easily if one person is not playing the game as it's supposed to be played. And like I said, we played in convention and there was one guy who came to the game and after two rounds he stopped playing. He he began talking with a friend of his. That was really annoying because we couldn't get anything from him. He said, no, I'm fine, I'm not trading, I'm not trading. And then talking about some other thing with a friend of his. So that was a bit... You you have to (laughs) understand that if you go into a two, three hour game where you need to participate, you have to participate and that's it. But it was still a good game and it wasn't ruined because of one player. But if there would have been two players, maybe two different resources would have been given to us, then that would have been bad. But anyway, it still still was a good game. And this is different than anything else. Yeah, it's. I understand that it's just the amount of options that you have and the amount of um, things you can do is quite high. Yeah, actually, you don't have that many options. You you have some options, but you have to talk all the time. You have to be able to trade the things because if you don't trade the things, then you don't have anything. And mm. especially if you play with so that each round is timed, as you probably mm. should. This can drag otherwise for five days. <laughs> but if you play with some kind of a time that there is ten minutes for this round to trade, then it's like a. I don't, you have to experience it to see how it is. It's like going to a Turkish bazaar or something. That people try to sell you things and you have to pick the best deal. Ah, uh, okay. It, it's quite good and different. If you like trading games, you should try this at least once. This is not on my list, but um, but New Angeles is a game that, I've, that I heard is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, New Angeles is from Fantasy Flight Games. It's uh, from their Android thing. But it's... Um, it's also, you know, trading and negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Have you played it? No, I haven't played it. I've seen it played, but I think this is even more trading. New Angeles should be a bit similar, and you have goals in that one, if mm. I remember right. I watched it played for a while. 
okay. on the table. So it has some kind of hidden goals that you have to yes. somehow accomplish. But it yes. took so long when they were playing it in the game club, so I wasn't uh, interested in playing that game. <laughs> it was it was too long for what it seemed to be. Yeah, that's my issue with a lot of negotiation games, is that they're very dependent on... It, it's very time-dependent, especially mm. if people like love to negotiate like very, very small little things. Um, most of my players that I play with don't really talk those kinds of deals too much, which is why we can play Twilight Imperium fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, number three is Crisis uh, from 2016. Designer Pentelis Bobolis, Sotirios Santilas, uh, Anthony Conoya and Victor Seste are the artists, publisher Ludic Creations. This is a fifth element type of setting. Um, mm-hmm. Flying cars, big big polluted city, that kind of thing. And it's a worker placement game where you buy companies like power plants and farms and spaceports and truck companies and you run the companies and you make resources and you use those resources to make money and make victory points. You know, very standard kind of Euro game. But to the two things that kind of stand up, make it stand out, is that when you buy the company, you have to hire employees to run the company and you never have enough employees to run all the companies you want. And the more employees you put into the company, the more efficient it becomes, so the higher your output. And, but running the company at all requires re- you to put resources in, so you have to make that balancing act. The other thing about it is that uh, it's by two Greek designers. It's about the Greek financial crisis. Um, the, 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 nation is go- the nation of Axia is going bankrupt, um, and they're privatizing. And if players are selfish and don't work together at least a little bit, it's not cooperative. It's not, but you, but you can, like, you know, in the, in a lot of economic games, you can say, oh, it's okay. I won't do anything this round. I'll wait for better, you know, better prices next round, for example, right? But if everybody does that, the economy will crash and everyone loses. So it, it does add a little bit of a, a twist to the standard economic euro game. One of my favorite uh, games of all time. Actually, it's my third favorite game of all time. Right? So your top three are science fiction. Yeah. Of course. Ah, okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I actually, you know that Ludic Creations is Finnish company, right? Yes. Yes. Heraclis um, didn't give this to me. I asked that, do you have? He said, that, no, I won't have any for you. <laughs> I, I, I asked that, could I get a review copy or even a small discount that I'm really interested in this game. Also, it seems to be impossible to get this game from anywhere. I, yeah. I haven't seen it. It was at it was at twenty nineteen spiel. At twenty nineteen spiel, they did have a reprint. They did have a yeah, reprint. Yeah, yeah. And I asked that could I get one there? <laughs> or could I get one with a discount? But he said oh, no. no. <laughs> oh yeah. no! But but he's a nice guy. I talked. He to is him. a nice guy, and it's yeah. understandable because I don't have audience, so it's understandable if he doesn't. Also, they made this on the underground. I'm really interested in that too. But it seems that that's also out of print. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm not seeing this anywhere. I would buy them because they are finished i played i played on the underground it was pretty good it's yeah a, it's a it's a route building game very pretty but route building is not my favorite uh mechanism <laughs> yeah it's a bit some people like it some people don't i like train games and they usually include route building but crisis is really interesting to me i want to play it one day my number three is again a bit different setting and i think there's only two people in the world that like this a tree, actually. <laughs> Me, Tom, and Melody Vasel, and this is Duel of Ages 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is published by Worldspanner, designed by Brett 
Marvel and it has 32 artists, so I'm not going to list them. You can check them from Board Game Geek. Yeah. Otherwise, this will take too long. But there are 32 different artists, and the art is really, really good. Especially if you get this copy new, uh, there are these map boards, and when you punch them, if you get it new, turn the board around before you punch it, because you see a huge picture, I mean, uh, like a large picture of these characters in the cards, and they are really good. I thought that I shouldn't even punch this, I should just put it to the wall, because some of the art, like the, is, was it Pegasus or Unicorn, it was so good looking, before punching. <laughs> So I didn't know what to do with it, but it's really, really good art. Basically here, it's a team game, two teams, and you have lots of characters from lots of settings, from the future, from the modern ages, from the past, from the ancient times, and there are so many characters, and you uh, draft them, or not draft, you deal them, and you choose what you have in your team, and they have different skills. Some of them are good at combat, some of them are quick, some of them don't know anything some of them have abilities then you have items and pets and uh, lots of different things but if this would be reprinted as, as a game with miniatures or even standees instead of these really small cardboard discs as these components that represent the characters this would become huge and the this mr morrell would earn a lot of money but it's not going to happen probably yeah i i see the, on bgg here people use coin albums to store all of the discs the character yeah discs. <laughs> yeah so cute. I, I have one back full of them and there are there are so many especially if you get the master set it mm. means that you will never run out of components and there are some fan-made ones also i have those also print, printed there are santa claus and terminator and <laughs> That kind of things, the fan fiction. But this is very, very convoluted game. I cannot explain how it works. But basically, the best things in this game is that it's a um, you decide if you play for a certain number of hours or certain number of turns. You can say that we play three hours, then we quit, and that's it. Mm. The game has no ending if you don't set the ending. Mm. You can make lots of different styles of maps, and then you put these labyrinths and kind of places where you go to do missions and when you do the missions then you get points and when you get points you lead the game and you can uh, kill the other uh, players characters and uh, imprison them and there are so so many different things in this but don't play it with more than four players ever <laughs> it's too much and yeah this is so modifiable and the setting is so different from anything else Basically, there's some kind of a entity that has this kind of a uh, like a battlefield that they create, and then they summon characters from different ages to battle there on the battlefield as mm -hmm. their entertainment. It's very, very, very strange. It's a bit. <laughs> it's a little bit like unmatched, right? The same concept, where like characters from all across the all across the different stories and myths fight each other, right? Yeah, except that this is hundred times bigger mm. <laughs> and more, like more varied. Mm. But yeah, the basic set doesn't even come with all the rules. You have to get the master set to get all the rules and all the everything added. It's it's a huge game after that. 
I don't think this will ever be in print again. So, oh. if you find it for cheap, get it. If you, if you want to try it. Okay, my number two is Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Uh, fourth Edition development by Dane Beltrami. Artist is Scott Schomburg, and the publisher is Fantasy Flight Games. I don't know whether Scott is the only artist in this game, but then again, there's not that much art in this game, believe it or not. <clears throat> No. Uh, but yeah, Twilight Imperium. What is there to be said that hasn't been said? I do want to point out um, that a lot of people assume that this is like a 12-hour experience. When we play it, it's 50 minutes per player. Um, yeah, it's pretty fast, uh, actually. And it's not 15 minutes that... per turn, right? What? 15 no, minutes no. per turn. No, per player to, to finish the game. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous, Pete. You can't play it that fast. Come on. Yes, you can. We do it all the time. The, the reason is because, like I said, we don't do that, like, deals and negotiation stuff too heavily. Um, so that really helps a lot. The, yeah, it's it's not that complicated. Uh, people always think it's this giant, complex game with a ton of rules. It's not. No. Um, but, yeah. I, 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 I genuinely think everyone who likes board games should play Twilight Imperium once. Um mm. They don't have to like it. Um, in fact, like I would say, play it once, and but with the agreement that after two rounds, if you don't like it, you can quit. So you're not stuck there for for three hours or four hours, right? I think yeah, that 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 would be a negative experience. But if I think everyone should play it at least one time because no other game does what it does, um, blends that elements of storytelling and space opera and economy and trading and politics and negotiation all together. Yeah. Just the just the laws the laws system where you can the players can vote in laws that permanently change the the rules for that for that session of the game is so cool. Yeah. yeah, that's true. What about your number two? Actually, for TI three, I agree with you that it's not difficult game. It's just the amount of things and components that come in the box that people think that it's difficult, but mm. it it's not anywhere close to war game difficulty. Let's say that where you have to move the pieces with pincers and check from table something and something. No, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite, not that difficult. It looks more difficult game. than it is. Yeah. I still don't believe that 15 minutes for player. No, 5-0. 5-0. Ah, 50. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's closer to reality. Yeah, mm. then it's understandable. I, I heard 15. I thought that, are you crazy? How can no, you no, no, play no. that? 5-0. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's, that's good. I thought that this would be your number one. But let's see. I don't know now what is your number one. Mm. Let's let's wait a bit. My number two is a game designed by Cody Miller, and the artists are Cody Miller, Steve Coolhan, Tyler, and Peter Wokken. This is by Far Off Games, and this is Xaya, Legends of a Drift System. This is a really really good game, and I like this game so much because it's so open. I like Firefly also, but Firefly was on a different list. This is quite similar to that. You can fly around, pick up things, deliver things, uh, make your ship better, uh, do tasks, shoot the others, fly to the sun, <laughs> mm. hit hit some kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm now I forgot space vocabulary. What are those? Asteroid fields. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. frozen asteroid fields and such. And I haven't played this many times, but I always play with the expansion. And this this really is a good game. I'm waiting to play this again. We have been planning to have a 
sci-fi day with two, two friends for since November, I think, where it would be this, uh, Star Wars Outer Rim, Merchants of Venus, and maybe Firefly if we have time. <laughs> Let's see. But all of those are three-player games, basically, not with yeah. more players. So I'm eagerly waiting to have that happen one week. I would love to play. I would love to play Zaya. It looks so fun. Um, a little random, possibly, but uh, yes. just you know, having your little ship and like flying out in the galaxy and doing fun stuff. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds a good, great time. I actually, yeah. I actually thought they had released a new edition, but I must have been thinking of something else. I'm wrong. Yeah, I think I packed the um, when they had this reprint in kickstarter okay maybe i'm thinking the, of the it, reprint. it's 2015 was the second printing it was okay. at the same time i think with the uh, newest expansion this missions or something like that i yep. packed the expansion so because it was impossible to get the expansion from anywhere and people were saying that you need the expansion to play with two players and it makes the game so much better with the expansion in any case do you agree and yeah 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 of course i wouldn't play without it after looking ah, okay, how nice. it works i haven't played this many times but yeah it's random you have dice in the game and there are random happenings but it's space and you have to know it when you go into the game that you roll dice to <laughs> do something but if you don't want to roll the dice then don't do do those things do different things you can choose what you do nice so what is your number one netrunner android netrunner ah uh, yes so the re the reboot is designed. Uh, the original game was designed by Richard Garfield back in the nineties. Um, mm. The reboot was helmed by Lucas Litzinger of Fantasy Flight Games. There are so many artists you cannot possibly list them all because there's, <laughs> there's hundreds and hundreds of cards. Um, but the um, the art direction the art director, uh, I believe, is Zoe Robinson over at Fantasy Flight Games. Mm. Um, the Netrunner. Oh. I could talk about this game for hours, hours and hours and hours and hours. But at the core of it, it's a two-player card game where one player is a hacker and the other player is a corporation. The corporation is trying to advance their evil uh, slash good plans because this game is all about grey morality. Like you could, you know, feed the world and find new ways to, to broadcast information to everyone. Or you can launch hostile takeovers and like, you know, um, sell weapons. So it's just a matter of what you know what you do in the game, and the hacker is trying to stop the corporation from performing their plans. Also, for morally gray reasons, sometimes you believe that oh the corporation is evil and they must be stopped, or you're doing it just purely for profit, or you're doing it because you can and you feel like showing off to your to your other you know hacker friends online. Um, mm. Yeah, so this is the best game ever made for me. Not just board game, the best game period there's never going to be a game for me that's better than netrunner um not just because of the mechanics which are very intricate <clears throat> not just because of the theme which is obviously very much my thing but the game ran for i think six years and during those six years they were incredibly committed to the diversity of the game right so it's a cyberpunk game mm. but it doesn't go to japan if when it like the the city of new of new angeles is set in ecuador uh, when mm -hmm. they were doing expansions around the world they picked india and they picked uganda and they you know so they they were trying to do things that were interesting not just 
in board games, but also in cyberpunk in general. Mm-hmm. Like this game really pushed the edges of the cyberpunk genre. Um, they were released, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 uh, playable characters in the game. And they maintained a perfectly even split of male-female with a couple of um, characters that had no gender. Um, there were four white guys throughout the entire life of the game um, that you can play as. Yeah, I've, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Uh, hmm. You, the thing is that Netrunner um, is out of print now, but you can play the, um, you can still play the game through this fan initiative called Project Nisei, which I'm, I'm helping out with. You can print and play Netrunner cards. Basically, they give out, they, they can, you can uh, go to their website, Project Nisei. You can N I S E I. You can Google it, and you can print out Netrunner cards to play uh, by yourself and with your friends. You can also play online. Uh, Netrunner Online you can play at J-I-N-T-E-K-I dot net Jinteki dot net mm-hmm. uh, You can play Netrunner Online for free I don't know how to start talking about this game Because if I start I won't stop So it's just, <laughs> it, is, it is important to me For the reasons that I stated above I think it is genuinely one of the best Mechanically one of the best games ever created And yeah I think it's great Yeah, It's a great game but I sold my copy after a few games because I noticed that I don't want to get into this LCG. That's yeah. the only reason I don't own this game. And also it had very, very much this own jargon in the game that you have to first learn a language before you learn the rules. But it was a great game. The yes. matches that I played, it was a great game. But I decided that I'm not getting anything collectible because I've played Magic, I've played Warhammer and I know that there's no end if I begin some LCT, so I'm staying away from them. I sold all of them. One of the one of the nice things about Netrunner is that um, even with the the Fantasy Flight stuff and with the Nisei stuff, one core set is fine. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. two players, I know this. it's just fine. Yeah, there were four compa- uh, two companies, no, three companies and three hackers. I think in the core box already. Four, four companies, three hackers. Yeah, so you have seven, four so you have seven playable factions. Yeah. Ah, okay. I remembered six, but yeah, I remember wrong then. Yeah, but it's a great game. If you have the time to put into learning it, it's a great game. I agree. What's your number one? My number one is the best space opera ever, Eclipse. Mm. No, I have no opinion on that because I've only played this once. This is the second dawn for the galaxy. I haven't. I didn't play the first edition actually at all. Although this is a Finnish game, I should have played it. But I haven't. I backed it in, backed this in Kickstarter, and it's really good. It's designed by Toko Tahkokallio, and artists are Noah Adelman, Jere Kasanen, Jukka Rajaniemi, and Sampo Sikia, and published by Lautapelit.fi. That's the way how you pronounce that, all of you, if anyone listens. It's Lautapelit.fi, or .fi, and it's Toko Tahkokallio. Not some of you, no, I don't think any content creators are <laughs> listening to this or any media people but some of them are really molesting the names and it's making me so annoyed sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you were saying something what did you oh say? i wanted to say like the only reason i haven't played this yet is or bought it yet is because of twilight imperium i'm like uh, you know is it too similar but i think that they're similar but in different ways they're trying to do similar things but in completely different directions would you say that's true I wouldn't say they are similar. I think they are different enough. 
this maybe plays a bit quicker than Twilight Imperium and it's not that much relevant to combat unless you want it to be. I think this the main um, main catch in this game is building your ships. When you do your research and you uh, design things to add to your ship, cannons or hulls or computers and such, then you add them to the ships. I think that's the main thing in this game, making your ships better. You don't even have to paddle with them. Of course you want to go and <laughs> try to have a paddle, but you can just build them better to for them to be scary enough for the opponent not to attack you. And they are similar, but I still think that both of them can coexist, even on the same shelf. It's, it's not a... you don't have to throw the other one away if you like the other one more, in my opinion. And this is this is really, really good system. And actually I got to play this, I have it on the shelf, I haven't played my copy, but... Uh, in the summer... no, in the autumn... in the... yeah, in the autumn, when I was making my top 90 list, uh, <laughs> my friends son was listening to my podcast he's a young boy and he he had listed his own top nine because i asked them to i mean as i asked the listeners to list top nine games and he had listed eclipse as his number one or number two now i don't remember and i said in the episode well when i went through this list that no i don't think that you can play this yet and then he, he sent me email that come and let's play let's see if if I can play it or not, so I said, okay, I have to go because someone invites me to play. So I went there to play it with them. So <laughs> he was able to play it, although I won him, not on purpose. I didn't want try to win. I, I mean, I didn't win the game, of course, but I scored better than the boy. But uh, that wasn't the purpose for the game. I wanted to learn it, and it was really, really good game. Mm. So that's about it. You play a few rounds and you have these discs and the as much money as you you have, that much you can do these actions. So you need to have money to be able to do actions. The more money you have, the more you can do. But that's not the only thing in this game. And I, well, I really liked one of this my, One of the things I do know about Eclipse is that the the way that you interact with the game is you you take your discs off your player sheet and it reveals new information, which is one of my favorite things to do in games. Yeah, uh, but it actually reveals the cost of the action, if I remember right. Mm. That how much upkeep you have to pay if you've spent that much. And then you can choose the actions. And, mm. and it, it worked very well. It was really smooth, at least the second edition. I don't know how the first one is. But this second one, I don't regre- regret for a moment that I packed it in the Kickstarter. It's, it's really good and well done. Mm. You should try it if possible. I want to. I definitely want to. This is a matter of like opportunity, not uh, yeah. I'm really, I'm really into the idea of Eclipse. Yeah. All right. So those were our lists, but mm, we've had a battle with the guests after this episode at some oh, no. point. <laughs> uh, basic, basically, the battle means that I will put these top nines to Instagram and then I will link it to Twitter. And oh I yes, you, ask did, the you people, did tell me about this. Okay, you did. Yeah. Tell me about Okay, yeah, right. um, that's and fine. You've, you've seen some of those if you've uh, looked at my Twitter mm. also. Um, what do you think of your chances to win? Mm. I don't know. Um, you did choose some games that you said nobody has ever heard of and can't buy any. <laughs> yeah, but you have Android here. No one has ever played that one. Wow. <laughs> it's impossible to play. And also, this yeah. isn't this all last days of a star, some kind of a 
rare thing. Which, sorry, which game? This, the other number nine, the Soul Last Days of a Star. Oh, well, am, I, am I mixing something? Oh yeah, it's that, that, that is out of print, yes, that's true. I remember this was a difficult game to get, yeah. at least at some point. Mm -hmm. And currently they are selling at BGG for $150, and that's a bit steep. Little bit, yes. <sighs> I don't know. I, I would be interested to see to see which one of our lists uh, wins, but I I'll be happy for either list to win because they're both great lists. Yeah, that I agree with. Usually I lose all the lists. I mean, all the competitions in Twitter because uh, that be that automatically be becomes a popularity contest, and I'm not popular in Twitter, so <laughs> I'm not getting any votes there. But in Instagram or um, Facebook, I get usually. More uh, I, th I think people people will select your uh, the list that they personally most identify with, right? And I'm friends with a lot of Euro gamers, so I don't know that my list will do well with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But in Twitter, I think I only won the competition against Eric Samarer. He's not popular in Twitter, it seems. <laughs> Everyone, all the other all the other guests have been more popular than I have been. So mm. I don't know. <laughs> so you will win in Twitter. Ten zero and in Instagram you are not really using that that much. It seems I just found you a while ago from there, mm. so I will win in Instagram. Is that agreed? Maybe, maybe we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm prepared <laughs> to lose both. Prepared no, to lose no, you both. won't. Uh, this probably people will vote regarding if they like Android or Ti or Eclipse or Xia yeah. because all the four games that we both have in top. Our bots top two are very popular among people. Yeah, they are very they have very hardcore fans, all of them. Yeah. So let's see. Let's see what happens. I would love to see what happens. This went a bit long, but do you want to add anything? If you don't no, want to add I've anything... No, I've, I've talked a lot. I think I will give our listeners a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think you've had some very good things to say. Oh, thank and you. And it's different from the previous guests. So that's that's really good. Because that brings diversity to the show as well. Because you were talking about different topics. You're the first one saying that you have some kind of political things in the country, first of all. Mm. And I don't think that was boring. You could have gone on. It was very interesting to know how the things are there on that side of the world. Ah, yeah. Because that's not very common to hear in the Western world. We see some main news, but they are not very that well covered, of course, how it is. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you if the people want to find you? Uh, Twitter, mainly. Twitter.com slash Ithela, I-T-H-A-Y-L-A. Yeah. So, I think we'll wrap this up and say bye-bye to the listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, listeners. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud with username Mitapelataan. You can also find the podcast from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. should be in Amazon Podcasts also at some point. And it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username Mitapelataan. There's a page in Facebook, Mitä Pelata, and you can just search by Mitä Pelataan and you should find me from many places. I have a blog, mitapelataan.wordpress.com, where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching Mitä Pelataan, 
you can send me email to mitapelataan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in Boardgame Geek number 3320. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And if you listen this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening. And bye bye. The music used in this series was Nightwalker by Sentient Pulse. Thank you for that. Someone actually rang the doorbell. <laughs> I I have to go and check. Can you wait a moment? Sure. No I have problem. to see who is there. I'll be back in a minute. Sure. Sorry about that. No problem. Are you still Did there? It? Yeah, I'm in. Everything okay? It seems that friend friend of mine came to pick up his bike that he left yesterday. We had a game evening yesterday. We played Turners in Middle Earth and he came to pick up the bike that he left because it was minus 20 degrees last evening and he wanted a ride from the other friend. Ah, okay. <laughs> He didn't yeah. want to go by bike. Of course. All right. So sorry about that. I'll no tap this microphone once. Don't I mean close your ears so I know where this ends. This okay. editing. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So in um, <laughs> now I've lost my thought. In Instagram and Facebook, I've been. I mean, the votes have been quite even.